Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity, with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now, and thank you for joining me in this conversation today. I call out to the ancestors, to yours and to mine and to all that it bring, everything that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines, that we might live the lineage that comes through us and do good works in the world. We call out to these ancestors because it is on their shoulders that we stand. And let us stand here together in this conversation here today that we might grow, that we might learn from the past, and that we might make creative, innovative, and insightful ideas for how to go forward in new ways in the future. We call out to these ancestors to gather round, to be with us, and to help us to open up to what we need to hear and to open up to what needs to be said today. We call out to the energy of the earth to be with us here today, to come up from below and to be a firm foundation for this home, for a sense of place, for a sense of grounding and a sense of communion. We call out to the energy of the earth that we might become more sure-footed on our path towards our destiny that we might catch the scent of that destiny here each day and have the courage to live it. We call out to the earth to help us in this most essential task for each one of us of manifestation, the manifestation of our soul's true purpose of our destiny in this life. And we call out to the earth to help us in this essential task of life. And we call out to the energy above, we call it in, we breathe it in, we draw it down into our hearts, into our bodies, all the way into the earth. We call into the energy of the sky. By whatever name you call that highest power of the universe, please call it down into our conversation here today, whether you're listening today live or listening in downloads, who knows when in the future, we call out to the energy of the sky to bring us generosity and blessing, to bring protection to our day and to bring the benevolence of the universe to us. Help us to feel all the wisdom of the cosmos surging into our life, into our mind, and into us to support us as we go forward in this task of destiny creation. And finally, I call out to the energy of the heart to be with each one of us here today, and I call out specifically to the courageous heart and that ability to find a way to blend precisely the passions of the belly with the clarity of the mind that we might know our purpose in this life while we are still young enough to enjoy the fruits of those labors, while we are still joyful enough to dance in that celebration, and that we are still able to share these gifts with others. So with these energies called in today, I give thanks to each one of you that are joining us here in this conversation live or in the future. So our topic of the day is sin and destiny. And What we are going to talk about today a little bit is what is sin. We've talked a great deal about your unique soul's purpose and your destiny and different things that have to do with your ability to manifest that in this life. And in this particular moment in time, we're going to talk about this relative to sin. And last week, we spoke about getting beyond good and evil 
And the essence of that conversation was that we need to get past any conversations about good and evil, no matter how those terms are defined. Because regardless of who's having the conversation, it is a smokescreen to keep you from engaging in looking at the true energies, trusting your body's instinct, and tracking the power, whether power is being used or abused. That is your responsibility to track in life, and it will make all the difference in the world for the decisions that you make. So it's really not about good or evil, but about tracking the energy in life and endeavoring to the best of our ability to be someone who uses power wisely, compassionately, moving from the power of the heart in the world. And to do so in a way that um, manifests well-being for all life. That would be the shamanic idea. So let's clear our minds here of all of our assumptions about sin, whether we like it or we don't, or whatever ideas about what sin is, because of course there are many, many technical definitions of sin. And then there are our everyday joking definitions of sin, which are usually things people sort of enjoy engaging in. So sin is a silly word that really no longer has any any powerful meaning. So let's talk about this then, clearing our minds of all the past riffraff and carrying on about sin. And, and, and let's talk about it just relative to life. You know, what do we know about energy? Well, what most of us know from our experience in life is that there is a range of experience from normal, whatever your normal is, in the middle, to some varying degrees of awful in one direction, painful, unpleasant, to going off in the reverse direction from normal would be varying degrees of um, ecstasy or joy or pleasure of some kind. Goodness, who knows what. So anyway, the whole point is most of us understand that experience comes in a range of experiences. And if you have been paying attention in life, you also know that the whole range of your experience can be changed through transformational work. In other words, your normal, that setting there in the middle of whatever your normal is, can be shifted and changed. I am not saying that just because you're living your life and engaging in life, your range of experience is broadening. I mean, I would hope you're doing that, but that's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making that is that you can shift your calibration for experience by through transformational work, through powerful transformational work. So what was acceptable before becomes unacceptable. And things can change. So that's an important thing to remember is that we are able to change the set point of our range of experience. So it's not fixed. It's mutable and expandable. The other thing we know about energy from past conversations is we know that everyone manifests something at all times. In other words, you are always manifesting. The question is, what are you manifesting? Human beings are manifestation machines. There is no off button. We are constantly engaged in the art or accident of manifestation. And so what what we do notice from that, moving on from that idea, which in and of itself is a year's worth of shows and work, um, what we know is that when things are manifest, some things feel better than others. So 
we also understand that the power of a manifestation is not dependent on goodness, though people would like us to think that. That's not really the case. I think most of us have experienced that the power of um, a person or an institution or a business or whatever, or family or whatever, to manifest something depends on the level of conscious intent. I don't mean so much the level of consciousness towards enlightenment. I mean more the level of consciousness in terms of how conscious are you. And passion or the feeling imagination for what it is that you want to make manifest, and then the resources you have. How much power do you have behind that act of manifestation? That, that the power of a manifestation has more to do with these factors than it does whether you're manifesting something good or bad. Okay. So, now let's look at what we've learned from ancestral healing, or I'll share with you what I've learned from ancestral healing, is that the action matters. So actions our ancestors do not resolve in the past can plague us here in the future. This is one thing we know from ancestral healing. And to restore a kind of reconciliation or balance in the past can free us from patterns here in the present. This is the basis of ancestral healing. The other thing we know, though, from ancestral healing is that intention matters. In other words, we can find at the root of some of the nastiest, ugliness patterns we are really struggling with here in the present. If we go far enough back to the source, what we find usually is a single human being who had a really, really, really bad day and made a really, really, really bad decision and set things in motion in such a way that, um, for whatever reason, they couldn't be set right. And that's a big enough problem as it is here for the living. And that's the, the bulk of ancestral healing is giving that ancestor an opportunity to set things right and undo what they've done. Now, the other thing we have found, though, in ancestral healing is it is an entirely different energetic ball game when your ancestors did what they did, not as an accident or as a bad day or just, just a human flaw, but with intention, they either harmed others or intended to take advantage of others intentionally. And for those who personally did that with intention, like a con man or something, that sets an entirely different quality of energy in motion in the ancestral line that is much more damaging and much harder to undo. In addition to taking that a step further, some people engage in conspiracies or organized activities of doing harm or taking advantage of others. And this ancestral energy is really challenging to change. And so one thing that we do know then from working with ancestral energies is that your motivation for things matters. Doing things with intention motivated by anger, jealousy, envy, create powerful life-wasting forces in the world. And remember, the spirit world conserves energy, conserves life force at all times. The natural world conserves energy and recycles resources. Only humans can choose to go against their true nature and waste life force. So we can see where this idea of sin comes from. I mean, our ancestors weren't idiots. That choices motivated by the intent to do harm or to waste life force are a different quality in what they manifest in the present, and if they're unresolved in our ancestors, manifest in that process as well, 
um, that they're different in their um, quantum capacity uh, to waste life. And there, there is a fallout, a life-wasting fallout from mistakes, misunderstandings, and accidents. There's a very, very different fallout if the life-wasting actions were intentional. So we know that there is this thing that our ancestors have called sin, for lack of a better word. But what we know from shamanic perspectives is that everything, including these actions in life, is a gift. So what happens to the idea of sin when we bring it into our hearts with the idea that everything in life is a gift? And this is what we will discuss in our next section. We're going to break now. I hope you will join me as we continue discussing sin, destiny, and how to live your life understanding everything is a gift. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And as the nice lady said, yes, this show is live. You're welcome to email at christina at lastmasscenter.org or call us, um, 866-472-5795. And as a nice man said earlier, you can find out information about me, my healing practice, the Encyclopedia of Shamanism, the radio show, and a whole bunch of other things at the website lastmasscenter.org. Yes, it is under reconstruction, but the basic information from the old site is there. It's available to you, and you can reach um, the Andrea, who does scheduling for me, and all systems are go. So feel free to find out more at lastmaskcenter.org. Now, back to the show at hand. So we're talking about sin and destiny. So what do we do with sin? If everything is a gift, what do we do with it? From my perspective, what we do is we learn to open our presence. We must learn to open the gifts that life is giving us. Now, one of the things that William Horton talked about in the I Ching show a month ago was learning to listen, learning to hear. How do we engage the invisible world of nature, of our ancestors, of our own helping spirits, of God, you know, whatever you want to call it. I don't really care what you call it. What I'm concerned about in life is that we as adults develop working relationships with that energy that is larger than we are, so that we can begin to make better quality decisions in our life. And what better quality decision than to put some energy towards learning to unwrap the gifts your life is already giving you. You really don't need to spend all that money running off to a million different workshops. What each one of us needs to learn is how to unwrap the gifts life has offered. And this begins with three simple things. To even begin to open the gift, you have to recognize it's a gift in the first place. And that begins, everybody all together now, by accepting full responsibility for your life. Now, I certainly am not the first person to say that. However, understand that most people take this on with a huge, heaping dose, like the mashed potatoes you're going to eat on Thanksgiving, with a ton of gravy of mashed potato blame and gravy shame. And just eat helpings, plural, many helpings of that. And what's really important is that you understand that at the level that we truly take responsibility for our life, it is a creative responsibility. It's more like going doink on the, like, you know, uh, Simpson, going, well, look at me. 
I created my own reality. How about that? I picked a mother who would manifest all of my issues in my feminine side and a father who would manifest all the issues in my masculine side so I could come here and right off the bat learn what I need, what I, my soul decided it wanted to work on in this lifetime. Aren't I a nut and aren't I a genius? Look at this. This is a fabulous place. That's the kind of accepting responsibility for your life. And I mean that even if your life really sucked so far. That the point is when we accept responsibility without blame and judgment for co-creation of our life. And I don't mean co-creation with your parents and other people. I mean co-creation with the big all that is. Then we can begin to open our gifts. The next thing is you must learn to use your discomfort. Discomfort is not something to be anesthetized, to numb out from, and to run away from. Discomfort is the place that we are growing It's a place that we can affect change. It's the place of genius being born. You must learn to embrace, to recognize and embrace your discomfort, to move into it, not away from it. And you must develop a relationship with your destiny because that creates the right perspective from which to view your whole life. You must, even if it is a pure act of faith, believe that you are here for some reason other than paying your taxes. You must believe, because what is the point otherwise? And the bottom line with this whole piece I'm talking about right now, no one's ever going to be able to prove this one way or the other. No one can prove whether there's spirit. No one can prove whether there isn't spirit. The point is, what world do you want to live in? Do you want to choose to live in a world where the life of humans is pointless? Or do you want to live in a world where the life of humans matters, where you are here for a reason, you are here for unique genius? I look at these shamanic cultures all over the globe, all of our ancestors, every single race of people on the planet, all of our ancestors believed in the beginning that we were here, each one of us, with a unique destiny, with a soul's purpose, and that the mystical traditions, The shamanism and then the mystical traditions that evolved out of that time, all of them are based on this one simple understanding of life. Whether we can ever prove it or not, the point is life is just too painful to bear unless we believe that. And what we experience in life is shaped by what we believe. So you choose. It's your life. Pick pick what you want it to be and commit to that. So I picked, I wanted to believe that we have a unique destiny. And I'm so not alone in that because what I've seen is the systems that worked in the world, they may not be the ones that are dominating, but the ones that worked, in other words, those that supported the balance of all life, believed humans had a destiny and that's why they were here. So I'm throwing in my money with them, my life, my energy, my resources with those folks. And I'm not seeing that this whole dominator thing, this group, you know, they may be the big cheese right now, but the bottom line is it looks to me like it's the Titanic. I think they're going down. So I'm throwing my money in with the shamanic people. Okay. So we must learn to open our presence. So in opening our presence, there are many levels here that we need to understand. The first is simply the willingness to go, oh, look at this. I just tripped over it. This is a present that I need to open. And so this is what is spoken of in Taoism as turning over the stone. You know, the stone is in the path you trip over and go, huh, look at this. Now, what does that really mean? It's the person that annoys you. 
It's that pattern that keeps repeating itself in your life. It's the thing that flirts with you constantly, that comes back, annoys you, whatever it is. It comes back, you keep tripping over it. That's the stone that needs to be turned over. And discovering how to work with those energies to get to the root of whatever is in that stone and clear it. It's not, this is not a place where insight is enough. It's not enough to understand it. You need to find where it lives within you and clear it. That is the key, the cornerstone of the personal work teaching skill set in the trainings that I do. So it's, it's a very, very important thing. It is the, if that's the only thing you learn in addition to journeying, you'd be set for the rest of your life. It's very, very powerful, but it's very important, that ability to pick up that stone, to recognize it, to trip over it, to recognize you've tripped over it, to pick up that stone and to learn skills to determine what is in the essence of it and how do I clear that from my own energy system. The next thing is to check to see, relative to these stones I keep tripping over, am I just working my own nerves? Am I carrying around a belief system that is so out of alignment with the real reality that all it's doing is annoying me because I've got a belief that is inaccurate? And I see this all over the place. All these people who are annoyed because the world isn't working the way they think it should without ever looking at the fact that the way they think it should work is utterly ridiculous and unrealistic. So that's what I call working your own nerves. One of the things we need to look at is are we generating our own trouble by carrying around a belief system for how things work that has no relationship with reality? Okay, number two, three, sorry. When turning over the stone leads to turning over the same stone over and over and over and over, you've cleared every energy that has everything about it, but that same stone keeps tripping you up in the path. It is time to walk away. And so part of this is an understanding, when is it time to walk away? Some people have a tendency to walk away too soon before they've turned over the stone. Other people have a tendency to just work that stone over and over and over again and not know when to lay it down and walk away. But it is important to understand, when you move out of that range of my comfort zone into my discomfort, right there where genius is being born, when I move deeper into the belly of my discomfort, I will start generating the very thing I've moved into that discomfort to heal. And so I will generate as much toxicity as I'm trying to change. That's the time to walk away. And it's very important to know to walk away from the situation at that time because the next place you go into is pain and damage. And some damage is leaves a lot of scar tissue. We'll just put it that way. Okay. So when to walk away. The next thing, number five, when to ask for help. Some gifts are challenging and you need help to unwrap them. And so part of it is knowing what do you need to do for yourself and when do you ask for help. And finally, to know when you simply must engage in a process of transformation to clear the energy of that stone you keep tripping over and to have the courage to go forward in that transformation, to have the insight to know that you need to ask for help to find good help, and to engage in that transformational process. So along those lines, what I'm going to try to do with this show, if I can get people to participate with me, is that I want to create, in support of this show, a vetted list of um, universities, practitioners, um, non-affiliated training programs, 
tools, the things that support true transformation in a good way, in an energy-efficient way, in a way that supports all life, and to, to create a vetted list of these tools for transformation and to have those available for you on the website and in support of this show. So that's going to help us then to open our presence, is to know when we simply need to engage in a true process of transformation to get that dang box open. So with that said, we are going to continue after this break to discuss what is necessary to, necessary to transform the sins of life into the path towards our destiny. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and today we are talking about sin and destiny. And so we just got done talking about how if everything is a gift, then what is sin? Well, so what, what do we do with that? What we need to do is learn to open our gifts. So we need to learn to open these presents. So once we've done that and we begin to approach life not from this place or this position, this stance in life based on judgment and punishment, blaming and shaming, but more from this perspective that life brings me gifts and how do I engage with that. Then we, then we can find, as we engage in that way and we move along, that ultimately what we find is that in life there actually is one sin at the root of everything. There is one sin. And it's a Taoistic sin. There is one Taoistic sin, which also sort of means there's one shamanic sin. And this sin is simply to prevent someone from their destiny, including yourself. And so this is very important because then it really means that the only real sin here is the sin of standing in the way of you moving towards your destiny. So... One of the many things that I learned from my teacher, Daniel Villasenor, is that the phrase that anxiety is a distancing from destiny. So in other words, we become more anxious as we move further and further away from our destiny. And so think about that. In a culture, America, that drives people away from destiny and towards, um, towards more superficial aims with life, that we have all these people that are, have anxiety to the point of having breakdowns in their middle age. Well, wonder why? Because they're being driven by the values of the culture. Remember what I said about when you believe in a belief system that doesn't match reality and it makes you crazy, it makes you work your own nerves. Well, to accept the cultural norming of America and being driven off the path of your destiny is to create anxiety because you're working your own nerves all the time. And so... It's important to just learn to, to trust your sense of anxiety and to allow it to guide you, to, as, as, allow it to be the red flag that then guides you to start to ask yourself how to move back towards my destiny. So what we're really looking at then here today is the question of are you sinning? And in that I mean, are you standing in the way of living your own destiny? So let's do a little check. So the first simplest check for whether or not you are sinning, whether you are living, uh, standing in the way of living your own destiny, first check. Do you love what you do passionately? Um, from my perspective, passion is the one true indicator. 
Now, in America, however, most of us are driven away from our true passion, from a true understanding of passion. And we're taught to be a bunch of little addicts and junkies and be obsessive in our personality. So for many of you, for passion to become a true indicator, you may need to recalibrate that instrument and learn how to live in a way that keeps it accurate. But once you've done that, passion is a true, true indicator of the extent to which you are living your destiny. So that's the first question. Do you love what you do passionately? Okay, let's try another check. So you need to write this on a piece of paper. You write down this very simply. If I knew I would die tomorrow, what would I do today? And you place that by your bed in some place that you'll find it first thing in the morning as you wake. And so what I'd like you to do in the morning, if you want to do this little check, is breathe and ask yourself that question. Don't answer it. Breathe and relax and ask yourself the question. Breathe and relax and ask yourself the question. Really relax your body. I mean, you're lying in bed after all, right? Relax in bed and ask the question one more time. And allow the answer to emerge from your deep, sleepy being. So that's another way to check. Is there anything that you are planning to do today that you would do if you knew you were going to die tomorrow? If the answer is no, you need to really look at, am I living my destiny? Another, another check, check number three. Do you know how to hear those energies that are larger than you? Do you know how to speak with them? Are you in dialogue with the energies you are co-creating your life with? And I don't mean a bunch of other humans. I mean that energy, that great all that isness, the oneness of things. If not, then it's likely you're sinning in this sense that we are discussing it. It's likely that you are not living your destiny because given the makeup of a human, it is close to impossible to be in relationship with your destiny if you are not in a working relationship with a life-giving energy that is larger than you are. Now, understand in that definition, I'm not talking about listening to any old voice in your head, but I'm talking, let me say this again, that it is close to impossible to be in relationship with your destiny, a true, passionate love affair with your destiny, if you are not in a working relationship with a life-giving energy that is larger than you are. Okay. So these are... I don't know, three checks. There are probably a million other checks. But what if your answers to one or more of these is, yeah, I'm sinning. I'm not living my destiny. What if you do all of these and all of them you find out, man, I'm, and, and on top of all of this, I know I have an anxiety disorder, so I know I'm not living my destiny. So what if all of this is true? What are you going to do? Welcome yourself to the world. We're glad that you're here. You've come to the right place, the right planet, the right body, the right time. Let's begin today. And this is the most important thing to understand about living your destiny is you do not have all the time in the world. You must begin today. And we are human. We will falter. And so you begin again tomorrow. And that is how we live our destiny, that willingness to not get all caught up in grandiose plans, but to take a step today. Take another step tomorrow. Take steps, take steps, take steps, and when you falter and fall away, get up, take a step again.
So, what is important that we come to understand when we falter, when we perhaps haven't spent the last 40 years of our life even living our destiny, that you don't need anyone's forgiveness. You just begin today. That to sin, to sin against yourself, to not live your destiny, you don't need anyone else's forgiveness. All you need is the forgiveness of your own soul. That is who we betray when we do not live our destiny, is our own soul. And in every betrayal of life, because everything is interrelated and everything is connected, whenever we act from lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, pride, anger, jealousy, revenge, we betray our own soul and our own destiny. Because these are actions motivated by energies that do not move us towards our destiny. So, if you are going to begin today for the four million thousandth bazillionth time, like the rest of us, if you're going to begin again today, begin differently. If you've been trying to get yourself to the gym all year because that was last year's New Year's resolution and you've made it like four times, and you want to begin again, don't try to go to the gym. For goodness sakes, pick something you have more passion for. Clearly, you don't have passion for that. Pick something that has some life in it for you. Pick a new way to begin. Take a different step, because all the steps will take us there. Just don't do what you've been doing and failing at. Try something different first. I'm not saying you won't eventually need to live up to that resolution and get to the gym. But try something different, something you feel passion for, something that would be fun, something that will bring life force into your day. Do something you've been wanting to do and have never gotten around to it, whether that's cleaning out a closet or going to a museum or seeing a music group you've never actually been willing to go see live. I don't care what it is. Do something that supports your passion, your relationship with passion, and ultimately then your relationship with destiny. So, let's take a little moment here. When I work with people around destiny which I do very intensively in the fourth year of the training that I do because we're really looking at how to stop lying to ourselves, how to stop denying ourselves, and how to work with a fairly big skill set of shamanic skills and personal work skills to identify and live our destiny. We have one basic destiny visualization. It's very simple. Now, it's simple if you already have been working with your energy, as we've discussed before in shows, to create alignment between the highest power of the universe through yourself down to the center of the earth and back up again, that you're working with that alignment with energies larger than yourself that have the wisdom of the earth and the wisdom of the cosmos together, work on your grounding, work with your truth cord, and ultimately in those energies to come to work on your center. And by working on, what I mean is that you are surrendered to the dailiness of getting up each day and visualizing these energies, breathing life into them, giving them some heart, giving them some fleshing out the feeling of the sky, the feeling of the earth, the feeling of your own center, your own belly. 
And in this visualization, when people are deeply, deeply breathing into, visualizing, feeling, sensing, knowing their own center and that own, their own little spark of life in there that carries, each one of us carries a spark of life that is our tiny spark from that spark that brought the whole universe into existence. We feel that spark, and then we look out on the horizon. Far enough out on the horizon, you can't see a thing. You just see the horizon. And we turn 360 degrees until the passion in our belly locks with our destiny out there, somewhere in that circle of 360 degrees. That's the direction of our destiny, and that's what we begin to move towards. You don't need to know. You need to feel. So with that thought, we're going to a break, and I hope you'll join me as we wrap up this conversation about sin and destiny. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and we are talking today on the show about sin and destiny. So it's very easy, I think, for us as contemporary people to go to a weekend workshop or maybe even a week-long workshop or maybe several years of work with somebody and get a sense that we've reconnected with our destiny and then to go forward to manifest that destiny with all of the arrogance and the ignorance of our ancestors. So what I'm trying to say here is that from a shamanic perspective, your destiny is not a path of the ego. It is not a path of spiritual ambition. It is not a path of any kind of ambition or aggression or arrogance. That when we are truly working with our passion in our body and the courage in our heart to live our true destiny, there is deep humility in that. And that our path towards our destiny always brings us back to ground. It always brings us back to needing to cultivate our own well-being. It brings us back to considering the well-being of all living things. And it is always inherent in that journey. It is about the, the desire or the need for, or the challenge of the self, the small self, the small personality, ego-identified self, to truly know the soul or the large self. And, and through that, the great oneness of everything. So understand, as I'm talking here and encouraging you to align your life with your destiny, I am encouraging you to move out of places of arrogance and ambition and ego and into a life where the larger choices, the direction, is dictated more fully by your heart, by your soul, by your passions. Now, with this comes something that we all know, that destiny requires both freedom and discipline. What's important to understand is that freedom and discipline create each other, that it is through the disciplines of my practices that I gain the freedom and the creativity necessary to live my soul's purpose. And it is through those freedoms that I gain the motivation and the reason and the desire to cultivate what I cultivate through my practices. And that the discipline and freedom create each other. They are important, and you need both of them to move towards your destiny. And so what I'd like to do as we're coming in the last section of this show is to share with you some words from my uh, one of my teachers, um, Daniel Villasenor, who's talking about moving towards our destiny. I as I said earlier, I believe that you need to have, every one of us, we each, need to have a relationship with our destiny that makes that, so that our destiny is a presence in our life, 
so that its presence in your life is so real that it kicks you in the shins when you stray away from it. That the destiny needs to be... Well, let me just put it this way. If everyone in America focused as much on their destiny, on their soul's true purpose, and that communication with the soul to walk that path, to discover that path of destiny, if everyone in America focused on that to the degree they focus on sin and on blaming other people for sinning, we would live in an entirely different world right now. What a blessing that would be. Now, of course, everything that's here is a gift, granted, but imagine. Imagine if you had a passionate relationship with your destiny. So, these are the words from Daniel. He says, the most important thing first in moving towards your destiny is to detoxify. The reason for that is basically that when we are toxic in our thoughts, in our body, from our diet, from our environment, from whatever it is that we're doing, we can't think straight. Again, we're working our own nerves. And so it's important to detoxify and to regularly detoxify. The next thing is to honor the vulnerable steps. And the vulnerable steps means honoring those steps we are insecure about that will require vulnerability, that we are not certain, that we, we do not know, that we must honor those steps along the way. Because think about it, if, you do not, if your soul's purpose has never been lived before, which is true if it's unique, and from a shamanic perspective, your soul's purpose is unique by definition, then no one's ever done it before. You're going to have to take a ton of vulnerable steps. You can't expect to know everything before you do it. So honor the vulnerable steps. Number three, notice the sigh in the body when we move away from the destiny and the quickening in the body when we move towards it. And this is what I'm talking about when I talk about Develop a relationship with your passion and pay attention to it. Where is the heat? Where is the cold? Notice the feelings as you move towards, come into alignment, and move away. Sometimes you don't even know what you're coming into alignment with, but what you can feel is the fact of the alignment within you. And trust that. Daniel goes on, number four, to say, um, Do not let the difficulty of the alignment dissuade you from the way of the quickening. So in other words, do not let the difficulty of moving into alignment keep you from doing it. Discomfort's a good thing. Wallowing in discomfort, not necessarily, but moving into your realm of discomfort is a good thing. It can be used. Um, Number five and six continues. Number five is you need eros. Be willing to receive it. And number six, you need help. Be willing to receive it. Number seven is to build the blocks of destiny with small things. And like I said earlier, if you're going to, today's the day you start again, start with something new. Start with a smaller step. Start with something doable. Build it with small steps. And finally, the last piece on the list here to move towards destiny is wakefulness. You must cultivate wakefulness and continue in that cultivation. So, what I'd like to end this show with, because it's important that you, the fact that you are here with a unique soul's purpose, you must make that real in your life in some way. In other words, make that destiny a real thing in your life. Develop a relationship with that energy as a tactile thing. And let the fact of it begin to shape your choices about what you do do and what you don't do. 
and that this is the way to not sin against yourself and to move yourself towards your destiny. And so I'm going to close here with a poem called A Divine Invitation by Hafiz, who is a Sufi poet, and this is translated by Daniel Ladinsky, and I heard God laughing. So Hafiz says, You have been invited to meet the friend. No one can resist a divine invitation. That narrows down all your choices to just two. We can come to God dressed for dancing or be carried on a stretcher to God's ward. So I encourage you to take what we have talked about today and unpack your dancing shoes. Come to God dressed for dancing. Otherwise, you will be carried there on a stretcher. One way or the other, you are going towards your destiny. Enjoy the journey. Thank you all for joining me here today. The conversation next week will be about exploring the power of gratitude and how this comes to us out of what is obvious in life around us and out of deep and old and ancient shamanic traditions. So I hope you'll join me next week for the power of gratitude. Please continue to share the show with your friends, with your loved ones, with those who need to hear whatever it is that we're talking about. The downloads are available free on the Voice America site and through iTunes. So please continue to share the information with others. There is a page um, for the show, Why Shamanism Now, on Facebook. Please become a fan. We need to grow the presence of this show so that it can stay alive on the air. So please feel free to continue to share things, uh, share the information with others, and to become a fan on Facebook and, and continue to spread the word. Um, you are welcome to subscribe to our list of people that get the show reminder every week. You just need to email us at christina at lastmasscenter.org, and we will be happy to send you that email once a week. If you want to be on the big list for all the activities at Last Mass Center, just email us and let us know that. Thank you all for joining me this week, and I hope you have a great day beginning your wild and passionate relationship with your destiny. 